0: When people feel hurt or threatened, a reaction rises up. It's emotional, it's physiological, and these things shape what they do and say and think in that moment. And it can lead to behaviors that they later regret. I call those self-defeating behaviors and everybody has some. But if you had trauma when you were a kid, your nervous system may have gone through some changes that mean your reactions are extra large and therefore your self-defeating behaviors can overwhelm your life. Hey, it's Anna here, just taking a little pause to talk about getting help when you're having a rough time. There are a lot of things you can try and one of them is online therapy through BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible and those are very good things. Because finding a therapist can be really hard. BetterHelp makes it easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist who meets your criteria. And when you click the special link that I'm going to give you, it not only helps this podcast, but it gets you 10% off your first month of therapy. So you can connect with a therapist, see what happens. And if anything feels like it's not a fit, which is common in therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. No stress about insurance or who's in your network or anything like that. So if you're struggling and you need to talk to a human, try BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-C-F. C-C-F stands for crappy childhood fairy. That's BetterHelp dot com slash C-C-F. There's also a link in the episode description if you need it. That might be easier. Thanks for sponsoring us, BetterHelp. Now, back to the show. So this is a big reason why having childhood PTSD is a problem in present time and not just the past. So I want to unpack the sequence that happens that takes you from something that happens to an emotional reaction to a behavior and you're going to find that you have a reaction pattern that can drive you, before you even realize it, into self-sabotaging behaviors that have maybe cost you relationships with people you loved and opportunities that you wanted. And those behaviors may even have drained your sense of dignity and self-esteem. So I'll talk about common self-defeating behaviors in a minute, but I want to bring your attention to what your pattern is. Most people have a pattern, and once you see it, it's a lot easier to change. So let's take this process. Something happens, your reaction pattern kicks in, and out comes the behavior, right? So step by step, the process starts with a trigger, way over here, a trigger. And when I say trigger, I don't mean the conventional social media use of the word trigger, where it means that something made you angry or upset. When i say trigger i mean a stimulus that happens within you or outside of you that sets off neurological dysregulation and if you're new to my work what i want you to know is that abuse and neglect in childhood can cause changes in your nervous system that disrupt parts of your body your physical functioning your thinking your emotions because those are all governed by your nervous system and trauma can make them glitch a little bit That's known as dysregulation. Everybody gets dysregulated a little bit, but people who are traumatized as kids are dysregulated more deeply and more of the time and can have a harder time coming back from it. Now, never fear. You can learn to notice dysregulation and quickly learn to re-regulate, and if that's something you need, you can jump down to the description section and check out the link to my dysregulation bootcamp course. It's very popular for people learning to master re-regulation. So a trigger sets off dysregulation and when you're dysregulated, the gates open for this oversized (gasps) reaction and that's where the trouble gets in. Now just for the record, triggers are going to happen. Some can be avoided like you can stay away from fireworks on holidays, for example, or you can not date people who yell. But when you can't avoid the trigger, let's say feeling criticized at times or left out, you can focus on calming the reaction that you have to that trigger. And when you learn to do that, the triggering event that you can't control becomes more manageable for you too. So let me show you an example of the trigger-reaction-behavior sequence. Now again, most self-defeating behaviors begin with a trigger followed by a dysregulated reaction that then leads to the behavior. So let's say you go on a first date and the person says, they'll call you when to plan your second date but after many days they haven't called which for many people is a trigger and you become terrified that you did something awful to push them away and that fear is a reaction to the trigger and then you text them three times a day for the next two weeks and that's a self-defeating behavior so you see what i mean trigger reaction behavior So when it comes to self-defeating behaviors, most of them fall into three major groups or what I call reaction patterns. And the patterns drive the behavior. The patterns include the urge to cling, the urge to control, and the urge to escape. And one of these patterns is usually dominant in each person, but most of us slip into our non-dominant pattern from time to time and your pattern shows up when you're triggered and if you don't yet have much healing it can prompt your particular self-defeating behaviors like we all have some favorites so if you were never triggered your reaction pattern would be dormant isn't that cool like if you never got triggered if you could never get triggered the reaction wouldn't happen the behavior would be unlikely to come out or you know wouldn't pressure you so bad to do those things you don't want to do that sabotage you but getting triggered is bound to happen sometimes. Remember, the reaction to the trigger is usually emotional. And for people with childhood PTSD, that can mean dysregulated emotions that come out way larger than normal. And you can teach yourself to notice these reactions, the patterns that you have that tend to cause problems, and make a conscious effort to catch them before you act on them. So what are the emotions that throw us into this loop? The three big culprits are, overwhelm fear and loneliness now there are others including anger jealousy brokenheartedness that can certainly prompt self-defeating behaviors but just to keep this simple i'm lumping all reactive emotions into just those three categories so each of those core emotions overwhelm fear loneliness tend to go hand in hand with certain reactions Overwhelm can prompt you to want to escape, I'm overwhelmed, I got to go. Fear can prompt you to want to control, it's out of control, I want to get it under control. Loneliness can prompt you, quite logically, to cling, and those are reaction patterns. You may notice that these reaction patterns are similar to the four widely recognized trauma responses fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. These also refer to people's basic behavior patterns, reaction patterns when they perceive a threat, and they can be especially strong in traumatized people. I focus on escape, control, and cling because they're more specific drivers of self-defeating behaviors, and they're interpersonal. Now, you probably have a pattern, and I'll help you identify that, the behaviors and the reactions that come out when you're triggered. To make positive changes in your life, working on how you react while triggered is the most powerful thing you can do. When you can better manage your reactions, you'll have more control over what happens next. Instead of messing things up and creating more problems in your life, you have less of that. You can have more room in your life to make positive improvements. And When your life is going better, you won't be as triggered. And the positive upward cycle of healing continues. So let's look at the three patterns one by one. So first, the urge to escape. And this is akin to the flight response. Something triggering happens and you get a strong urge to get away. It's often triggered by feeling overwhelmed. And here's how it can go wrong. So let's say you have an argument with your partner, which is a trigger, and they raise your voice at you. Not abusively, but it's emotional for them and for you. So there you go reaction comes your mind races and you're flooded with emotions so intense that you can hardly bear it that's a reaction you flip into escape mode then and you are convinced that at all costs even if you ruin your relationship you must get out of your relationship right now have you ever had that that feeling that very strong feeling like i don't care i'm leaving It's common, it's a normal reaction in traumatized people, but it's a self-defeating behavior that does a lot of harm to relationships. What you really needed was to make the unbearable feelings smaller and more manageable, but it's hard to see that when you're in the middle of dysregulation and overwhelm. And in this state, you might say hurtful things, announce you're leaving your relationship, and not, you know, come to until you've packed your bags, or you've threatened to never return, or you've driven 30 miles away. The reaction does eventually come back down again and as you gradually return to regular awareness, just the regret, the remorse for your behavior kicks in. Have you had that part too? And you fear that you've now ruined your relationship. So here's what you can do instead. When you keep in mind that when you're thinking of fleeing the relationship, it means that you're triggered and you accept that and in a trauma-driven reaction, probably overwhelm, And you can take a time out to use your re-regulation tools to bring that back down. This is no time to make big decisions and no time to announce the end of a relationship or that you're leaving or anything like that. Maybe you need to leave, maybe you don't. But if you're not in danger, you can wait until you're re-regulated and out of the state of overwhelm in order to make a decision. Most things can wait until tomorrow. Now it may require new boundaries to give yourself a pause when you're triggered and good communication with your partner so that you can agree that when either of you is having a trauma-driven reaction you or they can call a timeout to get re-regulated now this is powerful medicine for relationships and can help you avoid acting out with a self-defeating behavior Remember, if you ever think that you need to leave your relationship, assuming you're in no danger, you can always postpone the decision by a day and see if your feelings are different. If you're prone to trauma-driven reactions, they almost certainly will be different a day later. Now, here are some self-defeating behaviors that often go along with the urge to escape. Lack of self-care, not dealing with your physical needs, taking care of your teeth, bathing, eating properly. Procrastination addictive use of substances or food or tv or the internet going into debt over impulsive purchases blaming other people for everything that's wrong with your life rage yelling anger these sometimes reflect the urge to control other people but raging can also be a way to dissociate from feelings of fear and overwhelm sometimes anger feels like a step up from being terribly depressed also another sign is fantasy including dreams of becoming rich and famous romantic obsession limerence which is an addictive obsession for someone that you can't have avoidance fleeing relationships or taking space when things get hard but not working to mend the problem underneath refusing to make plans or promises for the future with people who are counting on you There's also mini-avoidance, which includes not returning calls and texts promptly or flaking out on plans. Now let's talk about another reaction pattern, and let's talk about control. The urge to control people, to make other people do what you want so that you can feel okay, is based on the belief that this is the only way for you to get emotional relief. And I think we all do that a little bit sometimes. It's similar to the fight response and it's often triggered by fear. Now here's how it can go wrong. Let's say you have an argument about your best friend's plan to go away for the weekend with some friends and the friends that she's visiting didn't invite you, which is a trigger, right? You feel left out. You fear that the reason is because they don't like you. That's your reaction. Nobody likes Macy. I never get liked. You also fear that your friend doesn't think that you're worthy of her friendship and she's been making positive changes in her life and you fear you can't keep up with her. She never told you any of this and you're embarrassed to express your fears. You find yourself saying derogatory things about her other friends and that's something that we do sometimes when we feel threatened and that angers her and this in turn prompts an intense emotional reaction in you. You blurt out that if she goes to spend time with them that you'll lose respect for her Well, that's a self-defeating behavior. She goes anyway (laughs) and while she's gone you become terrified that you've ruined the friendship and then you text an apology and then she doesn't reply. Now what happened there? Your fears that your friend had outgrown you and would abandon you prompted you to try to jealously and maybe passive-aggressively hurt her relationships with other friends and you hoped that you could control your fear by controlling her behavior and her feelings, which of course was bound to fail and backfire. And your fear became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now maybe the friendship is slipping away from you. But here's what you can do instead. When you can notice your trigger, in this case not being included, you can bring all your focus to your reaction. Remembering, that this trigger tends to bring up fears of abandonment and unworthiness and your past attempts to try to manipulate and control people to stop them from leaving you have never worked. So you keep that in mind. You remind yourself that when you're afraid of abandonment, your best course of action is to pause. Just take a break. Mm -hmm. Use your daily practice and emergency tools to calm the reaction. If you don't have access to those, we have links to them down below in the description section and I'll be sure to put at the end of this video the um, dysregulation, signs of dysregulation and emergency measures to re-regulate. So we'll, we'll get you a link to that too. So you use your tools to calm your reaction and then you allow your friend to make her own choices. That's how friendship works. When you connect with her again, you can show genuine friendliness. And in fact, your friend never has to know that you had a strong negative reaction. You could talk about it, but you can do it later when you're not so dysregulated. Now, if your reaction pattern is to control, here are some self-defeating behaviors that you also might have noticed in yourself. People with that control urge also are prone to black and white thinking, like either you're with me or you're against me. Either you go to the camping trip with your friends or you, or the friendship's over. You're trying to force someone to go to therapy or substance abuse treatment, that's a control thing. Codependency is control, which in essence is trying to make someone change because of your belief that if they would change, you could be happy. Another control thing is setting excessive boundaries that are really rules meant to dictate what other people can say or do, and then demanding that people comply with them. And that's not a boundary, that's control. A boundary is something that you will step away from. Another control behavior is like threats, like threatening that the, that's it, the relationship is over, I'm leaving, which is emotional abuse, and it can even escalate into physical abuse. And that's certainly physical abuse is a control thing making a scene in public or having emotional meltdowns when you don't get what you want that basically blackmails the person to comply so that they can stay safe and not be part of the scene, fudging the truth or outright lying so you can control what your partner knows and avoid dealing with the consequences of them knowing the truth. Now let's look at the reaction pattern of clinging. The urge to cling to people To hold onto them at all costs stems from a belief that any amount of misery is worth it to avoid being alone and facing the feelings that arise when relationships end and that's like a prison for a lot of us especially if you have abandonment wounds you'll put up with anything not to have to face that feeling. It's associated with the fawn response, the cling, the urge to cling. And though it looks the least harmful, it is the most soul-sucking trauma-driven reaction of them all. So let's say you've fallen in love with somebody, a guy you've been hanging out with as friends for a month or so, and you don't want to push it, but you believe that he will eventually say something to make it clear that yes, you are dating. And then one day he casually mentions he's seeing someone. (gasps) Trigger sets off dysregulation, right? You're devastated and it's as if your whole world just died. You've been waiting for a long time for him to sort of validate what you hoped for. And now you're ashamed that you ever thought that he was into you. And here we are. We're in reaction land now. Trigger, reaction. So you push down your feelings. You smile. You pretend to be happy for him. And he then asks you, If you mind, if if he brings his girlfriend to the movie that the two of you were planning to see that night and instead of canceling the plan or telling him that you feel misled and hurt, you pretend you're looking forward to meeting her and go to the movies with them, which is a self-defeating behavior that we call being cool girl. You feel that leaving or saying something will only ruin the friendship with him and anything, anything is better than that for, for you when you have that kind of emotional pain that you're afraid of being left. You feel that going to the movie is better than being alone. So here's what you can do instead. Because you know this trigger, rejection is hard for you. And in the past has driven you to abandon yourself, lying about your feelings, and playing a role that brings you more pain and humiliation just to save the friendship. The thought of leaving this relationship sounds unbearable to you so you can remind yourself that pretending to be just friends has always kept you alone and sad. Non-reciprocal friendships take up the space where a partner or friends could be so it guarantees that you'll stay alone and sad. During alone time you can practice doing things that give you joy so that the failure of any one relationship really can't ruin your life. You can also take steps to make new friends with an explicit aim to be yourself with them. Be yourself and see how it goes. You may need to remind yourself every day that hiding who you are and how you feel has never made you happy. And the only people who will ever really know and love you are the ones who love the real you. So how do you know if your reaction pattern is clinging? Here are some signs. You stay in bad relationships where you're mistreated or you're just miserable. You stay in a terrible job where you're not fulfilled and you're not earning the money that you could if you changed jobs. You pretend to be a friend when you are in love with someone just to keep the relationship going. You pretend that you're cool with staying friends with an ex or with being one of several sex partners of theirs when what you want is to be with them monogamously. Holding on to a fantasy that someone will one day come around and reciprocate your feelings, but you avoid actually talking to them about this, usually because you already know they would not reciprocate and your intense feelings would make them uncomfortable, so you stay silent. You go along with whatever scenario you think will preserve a relationship, and then suddenly you flip and you hurt people, believing that they owe you more than they've given because you gave them so much. Now this is the clinging pattern and healing from it, just like all the other ones, is a step-by-step process of building up the capacity to handle your emotions. And I know this doesn't come naturally to those of us who were traumatized as kids, but you can build it up like a muscle so that when triggers happen, and they will happen, you have space between how you feel and what you do. And this can make all the difference in your life. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs in the episode description below, or on my website, crappychildhoodfairy.com. If you're going through a hard time and you need online therapy, I encourage you to check out BetterHelp. They're easy and affordable, and they can connect you with someone you choose within a few days. And if you use this special URL, you not only help this channel, but you get 10% off your first month of therapy. So go to betterhelp.com slash ccf, as in crappy childhood fairy. That's betterhelp.com slash ccf. And remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.